You may have heard of us, but you might not know Bank First is a community bank that has no fee ATM access, interest, and perks earning checking accounts. With online and mobile banking, mortgages for every stage of life, and modern business banking for businesses, small and big. We keep it all together to put you first. Do you bank with us? You should. Bank First is an equal housing lender and a member FDIC. It's Friday afternoon. It's time for the Tracks Plus Deep Dig. I'm Charlie Winfield, Bart Gregory, Mississippi State, getting ready for the Aggies of Texas A&M, making the trip over to Starkville after being a winner last week. The Aggies beat Sam Houston 31 to nothing to open the season, drop a 17-14 game to App State, defeat top 15, <clears throat> excuse me, Miami, 17 to 9. How are they in the top 15? <laughs> how were th- how was Miami in the top 15? Yeah, I, I don't get it. And then of course last week defeat top 15 at the time Arkansas 23-21. I think uh, what we just fall in love with crystal ball is that what's going on? I think so. If we'd known then what we know now after Middle Tennessee went down there and thumped them last week. Miami ain't all that. No, they are not. And I don't know what this Texas A&M team is. They don't know what their team is. I think we learn a lot tomorrow. Yeah, I think so. You know, we won four of the last six in the series. And, you know, you start thinking about what yeah. – hey, let me stop you right there. Because this is a Ron Polk kind of thing. You know, somebody will say, well, he's got hits in four straight games. Well, that means he didn't in the fifth. Why would you leave that one out? You know, the it's funny you say that because we can say, hey, we've won four out of six, including last year. When you pull up the Texas A&M game notes – they won they two say, out of three. We won two of the last three, including <laughs> yeah. our last trip to start. You can always figure that out, but I don't think you know the games of years gone by affect this one none, except for I think all the A and M. I spent the afternoon perusing the Texas A and M message boards. Oh boy, which was somewhat funny. I mean, just all right. Let me guess, because I have not done that. Yeah, it was they good. expect to win this game. Yes, they do expect to win this game. But it's very, you know, it's it's crazy when you see they just have more people than we have, but they have the same people. You know what I'm saying? You've got some people who say, unless we make a you know, ton of mistakes, we should win this football game. And then you got other people who are saying, you know, hey, Jimbo never gets his teams ready to play on the road. And then you got some people who are saying, hey, our offense is terrible. We got no chance in this one. We're gonna we're gonna have to have some defensive scores, and so you've got a wide array of the people, and I think that's just about anywhere. Is you got the same, almost the same percentage of people saying the same things. They just got more people than we got. They got like seventy five thousand students now, which is nuts. How big is the core of cadets? Do you know how many of them are, like? What was it Mike Leach said? Pretend military guys? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. And hey, I, I did some reading last night because what I was curious about is if you were in the Corps of Cadets, if you had to be an ROTC. And I think the answer to that is yes for a little while, but you don't have to. After maybe your first two years, you, you don't actually have to make a military commitment. You have to do some ROTC stuff at least for a couple of years. And then you can stay in the Corps of Cadets, though, without having to go into the military. It's one of those kind of a trial-by-fire deals, if I really want to do this or not. I want to do a bunch of push-ups, but I'm not sure I'm going to sign my name. Yeah, I, I just, man. 
I don't know. Different. It's a it's a different culture. It is, and I know I know the popular thing to do. We've done it here. It's easy to do to make fun of some of the traditions they have, and it's a tradition rich program. They believe heavily in their traditions, which is perfectly fine. There are some people out there who wonder why that you want to ring a cowbell, but I understand it. I understand it. Some other people might not. But here's what I do know: the guys coming out of that locker room tomorrow are not going to be wearing yellow uniforms. They're going to be wearing face mask and headgear and football jerseys, and that's all that matters tomorrow afternoon at 3 o'clock. So, you know, looking at A&M, let me ask you this question. You, you talked about Ron Pohl. This will be the first game they've played outside the state of Texas this year. First true road game. First true road game. They played in Dallas last week. With all the people that are out there and all the singing media guys that are talking about how terrible their offense is and about Jimbo's two-inch playbook and about how they don't know what they're doing, sometimes the best thing to do is get out of town. And so I hope that's not the case here. Now, do I think this is a team that's very good offensively? It has not been so far this year in any game, even the 31 to nothing win against Sam Houston State. But you hope they don't come over here and base and football really doesn't lend itself as much as some other sports that they don't come over here and just kind of relax and play. You know what I'm saying? I think that's actually a good point. So then, if I'm a Texas A&M fan, I'm asking myself, are we better simplifying things? Is it getting back to it's the old high school thing? Yes. We may have three plays, but we're going to run those three plays well. Well, and last year when we played over there. And I like Joe Tessitore. We talked about him last week. I think Joe did the game last year. And they were talking about the two-inch playbook of Jimbo Fisher and about, you know, how extensive he has plays for everything. And then they go out there and they throw for a buck 50, you know. At the end of the day, it's all about scoring points. At the end, it doesn't matter how many plays you got. It doesn't matter how. And I've always said this, too, and I thought, thought it was one of the things about Sylvester Croom and his offense. I thought it was just too much. I mean, this, this is not the NFL. I know a lot of guys take online classes and things of that nature now compared to what it was 20 years ago. But these guys don't have eight hours to spend in a playbook. This is college football. Yeah, at some point you just got to line up and be better. And That's one of the things that I have wondered about Texas A&M because I remember Charlie Weiss coming to Notre Dame and talking about how they were going to have a schematic advantage against anybody they played because of him and his NFL experience. I wonder if sometimes coaches don't get a little too excited about thinking they have to be the reason, that they have to be creative, that they have to have all these plays. I'll say this for Alabama. I've always said, and you may disagree with me, but I've always thought Alabama's build, I get it's a little bit different now as the game has changed, but Alabama basically built its program being the biggest kid on the playground. Yeah, just got the best players. Yeah, we're bigger, we're faster, we're stronger, yeah. and we're just going to run over you or, or do whatever, run around you. We'll, we'll do all those things. We're not, gonna, we're not going to do things that get us beat. Yeah, and it just seems like A&M sometimes maybe overthinks things a little bit. I'll say this. I was looking at Jimbo Fisher. Do you realize he is one of only five active coaches to have won a national championship? Which speaks volumes of college football in today's world. Doesn't it? Yeah. I, the first thing I was impressed by was, hey, he's in the club. The second thing that really hit me, though, was. There ain't many people in the club. What is happening? What does that say about this idea that we have this great parity 
in college football. I think the other thing that it says is it's not a lifestyle that's save for very, very few people is sustainable. You kind of get yours and say, I'm done. And, hey, with these buyouts today, I mean, <laughs> like, Fire me. yeah, like you said, I want to be fired as a Division One head coach. Well, and, and speaking of that, so Jimbo Fisher, one of five that's won a national championship, you know most of them. Mac Brown's the guy that people forget in the list, by the way. 37-15 and 15, starting at A&M. Kevin Sumlin was 36-16. and 16. Now, Sumlin had Johnny Manziel. He had that 11-win year. Uh, you know, do you remember, though, a lot of people thought we should have hired Jimbo Fisher in 2004. You know, Jimbo, his background is this. He was actually he played quarterback at a small school for Terry Bowden, goes to Samford with him, ends up kind of moving around. He's at Auburn. He goes to LSU. He's the offensive coordinator there, briefly with Nick Saban, stayed on with Les Miles. 2006, he interviewed for UAB. the UAB head coaching job. And they were offering him a contract, and the board of trustees dings it. $600,000. They were offering $600,000, and that's when, as they say, and I'm not saying this out loud, that the Alabama board of trustees, Paul Bear Bryant Jr., nixed the deal because they said that UAB didn't need to spend that much on a football coach. Yeah, you got to keep people in their place, right? So he ends up going to Florida State, becomes the head coach in waiting, Ends up winning the national championship in 2013. He takes the job. Things were falling apart for him at Florida State. Takes the job. Ten years, $75 million at A&M. He's now been extended out through 2031, making $9 million a year. Now, I want to talk briefly about that number, the $9 million a year. You ever go to message boards after a game and it says, we deserve better for $5.5 million a year? We deserve better for nine men. And the thing I always want to ask people is this. Would you be any happier about losing if the coach was only getting paid $2 million? I mean, that not that ultimately the thing? You, you don't care whether he's making a million or two or 20. You just want to win. And the fact that they're making less doesn't necessarily help you. That being said, for seven and a half, eight, nine million dollars, I mean, he's getting a million bucks a win right now. That's, uh, you know, he had the one good year, the COVID short year, but other than that, he's an 8-4 and four coach at A&M. Yeah, the $9 million, I mean, that's one of the things that kind of sticks with people, and you say, why extend him? Where is he going? That was the one thing, and I had the same question, you know, about Dan Mullen at Florida, you know, when he was extended, you know, why? Now, there's a lot of things that get to work behind the scenes that we don't know or understand, so I won't go down that path too far. Here's the, the one thing I wanted to make a point on, Bart, before we turn to our numbers. Be prepared for an ugly football game tomorrow. Oh, I'm a, I am very much looking for an ugly football game tomorrow. In Texas A&M's game so far this season, the teams have combined for 39 punts. In the past two games, here's your passing numbers. A&M against Miami of Florida, 10 of 20 for 140. Miami, 21 of 41 for 217. Arkansas. A&M goes 11 of 21 for 151 yards. Meanwhile, Arkansas is going 12 of 19 for 171. Only one time this season, only one time has either team thrown for over 200 yards in a Texas A&M football game, and this is game five tomorrow. Well, and I think a lot of that speaks to the playbook is real thick. And they've had Anaya Smith. They lost him last week. He's gone for the year. 
I mean, that was the guy that kind of stirred the drink on the outside for him. They had trouble with Hayes King, Hayes King at quarterback. Max Johnson has not been a throwing quarterback. The flip side of that, now I know a lot of people like to take shots at A&M, and it's an easy thing to do when you start talking about the playbook and Jimbo and the $9 million and all that, but their defense is really good. I mean, that's the thing you have to take away from everything is their defense, especially in the secondary, is really good. And so I think that's one thing that a lot of people overlook is just how good they are in the secondary. And with us throwing the football as much as they do, what did we say was the defining point in the loss against LSU? Is they were they were really good in the backside, in the middle with their safeties. Their safeties were really good. A&M safeties are going to be really good. And they've been around. Um, so I'm predicting an ugly game. You've got an experienced coaching staff across the way, Daryl Dickey, DJ Durkin, Steve Adazio, Damian Craig, some of the names you're going to know. But in any event, let's get ready, Bart, to start talking about our numbers on this ball game. Before we do, though, we'll remind you that this is the Farm Bureau Studios, and it is a good place to be here on a Friday before the first, no, the second. It's the first of two straight conference games, but we're in the middle of a three-game home stretch. But it feels like fall outside and – Good day to be in the studio, starting to see some bustle around town. And Farm Bureau, check them out. They have agents in all 82 of Mississippi's counties. If you need auto insurance, you need home insurance, whatever you need, give our friends at Farm Bureau a call. And not only are we in the Farm Bureau studios, Bart, this is our Tracks Plus deep dig. And it's Tracks Plus, much like the two of us, it's growing. Yep, growing in leaps and bounds. Five locations now. Daniel Bounds and Fred Fulton over in Columbus. You got Ken Crosby, Justin Ward, Andrew Harrison, Drew McGee, and Casey Eccles in that growing Hickory office. That's the original. They also rent equipment in Hickory as well with Ryan Mosley and Chad Tillman. Summit, you got Caleb Pounds, Gresh Howell, Alexandria, Louisiana, Hoop Weems, and then in Bessemer, Alabama. That's the newest location. Nathan George and Josh Campbell. So go by and see our friends at Tracks Plus at any of those five locations. Barco equipment for the Forester, and then if you're in the construction world, that Saney excavators, mini excavators, and then some used equipment as well. They're one of the largest dealers in used equipment in the southeast, and that's our good friends at Tracks Plus. All right, Charlie, you want me to start with my numbers? Are you going high to low or low to high? Going low to high. I won it last week, so I'm going to go low to high again. Three is my first number, and that's the number of punts that we need to force Texas A&M in the first half. Oh, Yes. That's not a three and out. No, it's three punts. We need we need A&M to punt at least three times in the first half. The reason I say that is they have been a slow starting team. Last week against Arkansas, they punted their first four possessions, and all four of those possessions were three and outs. They only punted one time in the second half, though. They kind of found their mojo in the second half. I don't want them to carry over that mojo to the first half of this week. So we need to come out. Get A&M off the field. Don't give them any kind of confidence. This is a team that can come back. They they do have Max Johnson, at quarterback, whose numbers have not been great, but he is a veteran. He's been around. He can lead a comeback. And so we kind of need to knock them back. Like we did last week against Bowling Green when Bowling Green couldn't get anything going. I'm not going to talk about score. We need to score, but we need to hold them to three punts in the first half. That's my first number. A&M on the season averaging just under five punts per contest. 
and you want that balance to swing early. Yep, they had four punts in the first half last week, only one in the second half, so that was their average was last week. And so, yeah, I want some punts in the first half of this game tomorrow. All right, you'll be able to cash that ticket early. Okay, my second number is 12, and that's the number of quarterback pressures that we need to limit Texas A&M to getting in their backfield. And what I mean by pressures, that's hurries, that's hits on the quarterback, that's sacks. And so last week, they got 10 pressures on Arkansas's quarterback and 25 dropbacks. So they pressured K.J. Jefferson. 40% of the time he dropped back, they got pressure on him. Now, this has been an A&M team that has not gotten just a ton of pressures. Now, they got forty pressure, uh, 10 pressures and 44 dropbacks against Miami, so they were right at 25%. I'm thinking we're going to run the football some tomorrow. I'm thinking we pro- might have around 48 to 50 dropbacks. I'm saying we have to limit it to 25%. 12 pressures is all we can allow. Now, we allowed a bunch of pressures against LSU. We gave up, what, 15 pressures against LSU and not as many dropbacks. Here's what's going to be interesting for me to see tomorrow. DJ Durkin, you talked about DJ Durkin. He's the defensive coordinator at A&M. Last year against Mississippi State, when he was defensive coordinator at Ole Miss, they had 13 pressures on Will Rogers, 65 dropbacks. They only blitzed twice. He was successful last year of getting to Will Rogers with just three guys. Now, I know it's different personnel. I know they don't have a Sam Williams on their side like Ole Miss had last year. Yeah, a guy like Sam Williams tends to help. It does. It does. So, here's the thing that's going to be interesting what they do. The last two weeks, they blitzed 36% of the time against Arkansas last week on dropbacks. They blitzed 33% of the time against Miami a couple of weeks ago on dropbacks. Does DJ Durkin bring pressure, or does he sit back like he did last year? Last year against Texas A&M, they sat back. Will Rogers was only pressured six times in that game. Does Jimbo Fisher look at DJ Durkin and say, let me tell you something, we sat back last year and he picked us apart. We're coming after him this year. That's a good question. You know, last week I got to tell you on one of your numbers, man, I think you're you're shooting high. 10 out of 25 last week, and we're going to have, what, at least 50 dropbacks? That's what I'm saying. Keeping them at 25% is going to be big. Okay. Uh, I, I think that's fair. 25%, that's how I came up with 12. And my third and final number is 24. I think that's the number of points it's going to take to win the game. A&M has gone in the under – in all four of their games this year. The over-under for the game tomorrow right now is 45-and-a-half. Okay, that's the over-under. I think 24-21. I think we win this game tomorrow 24-21, and I think it stays under by a point. That's where I'm at right now. 24 points to win it because their offense has not been good at all. Okay. All right, so those are your three numbers. And what, give us the rundown again. We had three punts. Three punts in the first half. We can only allow 12 pressures in the game against their defense, and then we need to score 24 points total, and we win the game. All right. So, give you a look at my numbers. I, of course, am a traditionalist, much like the Aggies, and I will continue to work from high to low. My first number is 130, and 130 is the number of yards that I believe – we have to hold Devin A. Chain to. He has not had a huge rushing game until last week, but it was almost like A&M decided we've got to get him more involved in the offense. He, he did have 18 carries against Miami, 
But last year, last week against Arkansas, 19 for 159, a long of 63. They also got him involved in the receiving game. He's caught seven passes in the last two games. Add them all up, receiving yards, rushing yards, I don't care. I think you have to hold him at 130 to have a chance to win this ball game. And you say, well, that's a lot for him, but I don't think they get a lot of production anywhere else. Bart, that's why I'm going with 130. Well, I think, you know, Jimbo Fisher with his offense struggling a little bit. You know, he changed the starting quarterback. He went from King now to Max Johnson. But also, when you start looking at who they've run the ball with, and they, they use four running backs against Miami, or four guys carried the football against Miami. Last week, when you have trust issues in your offense, you kind of limit the number of people you allow to touch the football. Last week, only two guys rushed the football, and that was A-Chain and then Max Johnson, the quarterback. That was it. The thing about A-Chain, and I'm going to talk about him in just a few minutes, is his speed is a guy that when he breaks a tackle or if you let, let him go, he can be a game changer. And so limiting him tomorrow, like you just said, Charlie, to me that's one of the biggest keys of the game is just limiting Devon A-Chain. That's staggering, isn't it? Two players rushing the football in a game. I don't remember the last time I saw that. That's crazy, isn't it? That, that's, that's crazy. So 130, my first number. My second is 25. That's the number of rushing yards that I think we have to hold Max Johnson to. And if it sounds like I've been harping a little bit this year on quarterbacks running the football and hurting us, I have because they can and sometimes do. And here's the thing about Max Johnson. Last week he had five scrambles for 46 yards. I'm not worried about Johnson in the called run scheme. I'm worried about him scrambling, getting away for pressure, and having kind of those nightmare scenarios and the flashbacks to the LSU game where we got guys who were there but just not fast enough. We can't let him go five scrambles for 46 yards. If Arkansas doesn't let him do it, they win that football game. And by the way, last week he forced four missed tackles. And you say, all right, why is he in a hurry to throw the ball? Because on balls that have traveled in the air more than 10 yards, he is 6 of 16 right now. Ooh. Well, and he's not going to be a guy like Daniels at LSU that can can break off that 50-yard run. Now, he did have a nice run last week. The half of it came back on a penalty down the field. But if you look back the last year against LSU, and it wasn't just scrambles. It was we're getting guys in the backfield and just couldn't get him down. And then all of a sudden he reels off a touchdown pass. This year he's tucking and running it a little bit more. And like I said, he's not the guy that's going to kill you with that 40-yard run. You hope not. But, man, on a third down and five. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. He's the, guy that, the eight. He, he's the guy that gets seven or eight. So, 130-25, and my last number is 17. I don't actually disagree with you on the 24 points, but I think we need 17 points in the first half of play. Oh, I completely agree with that. And yes. the reason I say that is, number one, I think A&M starts slow and you have to take advantage. I think it could be a situation where we're sitting here like LSU saying we had chances, we didn't take advantage of them. I also think, look, let's just be honest about it. Um, we are in a situation playing at home after the way we played at LSU, after people seeing App State beat Texas A&M, in a game that I am afraid is going to be ugly, 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 not 3-2 ugly, but the modern parallel to that ugly. If 
you can go up and put up 17 points, I think it takes some of the edge off that. I think it takes off some of the – our offense doesn't have it today. We live in this world where people now have this video game mentality and they expect the offense to go out there and score five out of six possessions and then you're mad about the sixth. I don't expect that tomorrow, but I think we got to have some production. I agree with that, and it kind of goes along with what what I was talking about with the three punts in the first half, is you have to capitalize when you get the football. Now, what happens in slogs, what happens in those games that are like that, it always seems like there's a turnover, there's a fumble. Here's one thing to watch. A&M has fumbled eight times this season and has only lost two fumbles. They fumbled eight times and only lost two. We've put the ball on the ground seven times and lost four. We lost two against Arizona. We lost one against LSU. We lost one against Memphis. And so, man, that's the thing that screams at you is this is going to be a fine line game because the defenses are going to be good. Man, this is not the game, if you're Mississippi State, that you can fumble the ball at your own 25. No. But conversely, it would be great (laughs) if you could force A&M to doing something very similar. Yeah, A&M's taking advantage of some big plays. I mean, look, last week, if they don't have the the return. Oh, I mean, Arkansas, I mean, they're trying to dive in from the five-yard line and try to stick the ball over the goal line at the three. What are you doing? The ball's knocked free, you pick it up, and you go the other way, and then, boom, the game's different. Completely, completely changed the complexion of that entire football game. It was about to be 21-7 to Arkansas, and then all of a sudden you're tied at 14. That's a massive swing right there. So, coming up with with turnovers, I mean that's that that tomorrow. And I don't know it's always big. You can't fumble punts tomorrow, and you can't fumble in your own territory. No, you certainly can't. All right, so Bart, we've taken a look at our three numbers now. Let's take a look at our two players each for the opposing team. Brought to you, of course, by two brothers. And legend has it that you were called out today for being seen somewhere other than two brothers. So I, I want to know I want to know your response. Well, here's the thing. I want to openly apologize to our good friends, but I do have a valid excuse. I was uh, invited to a business lunch today in another institution, and so I went by there. And to be honest with you, Charlie, I didn't even eat. I didn't eat. I didn't want to feel like I was going full-fledged against my brothers or two brothers, all right? So I got a glass of... Sweet, unsweet tea, half and half. Sometimes I'll do that. And I sat there and had the conversation I need to have at my business lunch today. And as I get up and I'm walking out, I had three people look at me and say, hey, aren't you supposed to be at Two Brothers? And I was like, I'm headed there now. (laughs) Well, I didn't have a chance to head there now. But I normally go there every Friday. I will go there tomorrow. At some time, I can't tell you when because then, you know, then people are coming and try to bother me and get our, you know, get our keys to victory, a little inside information, Charlie. But I'm going to go. I go to Two Brothers at least once a week and get their smoke wings. And I just get the regular old straight-up smoke wings. That's what I get. Now, I will get the pat. The patty melt's good. The burger's good. I like their patty melt. To be honest with you, I don't think I've ever gotten anything bad there. It's all about good food. It's really good good food well it's gonna be a great place tomorrow to sit and just people watch a little while before or after and hey game. this this weather is perfect for outdoor seating no it is it's oh, hard awesome. to beat now what we need is a win so that you're in a good mood for some outdoor seating 
after the game tomorrow. So, who are your two players tomorrow? All right, I was going to go with Devon H.A., and he gave a bunch of his numbers a minute ago. He's a guy that you know, was averaging 90 yards to rushing a game, seventh in the league, 30 points so far this season. He's a guy who scored a touchdown in every game this year. Here's where he can beat you, too. It's a kickoff game. He took back a 95-yard kickoff return against App State. Watch that in the game tomorrow. Try to limit him in his kickoff returns. But he's also a guy, too, Charlie, that talked about it a minute ago. If you don't wrap him up. He's a guy that can take a three-yard gain into 70. I mean, he can get it. And so when he gets outside of contain, he can really get outside and go. And so I remember talking about him last year on the Tracks Plus Deep Dig about how we had to limit him to his 10-plus rushings. Uh, that was a big play, back, big thing last year. We need to continue to do that because he's a guy that can break free. All right. Who's your second guy? Second guy is one of those cornerstones in that secondary, and that's Antonio Johnson, the defensive back. Second in the SEC in tackles with 38. Here's the thing. He's a run stopper. He can come up out of the secondary, and he can stop the run. But he's also really good in coverage, too. Teams you know, trying to attack him right at 50% as far as allowing catches against targets. And so Antonio Johnson, he's been around. He's been around this program for a while now. And he is kind of the, the staple in that secondary. You know, they've got a bunch of guys who have been here a long time at A&M in that secondary. But to me, it all starts with number 27, Antonio Johnson. All right, so that's a look at your two players. I'll take a look at mine. Uh, my first player is Damani Richardson. Richardson is one of those experienced safeties you were talking about. Now, on the A&M roster, they, they don't call you a corner. They don't call you a safety. You're just a defensive back. But he is a four-year starter as a defensive back, and he's leading the team in tackles for losses. And if you look, they like to get him up near the line of scrimmage sometimes. He is from Waxahachie. You know who's from Waxahachie? Ricky Joe Red. Ricky Joe Red, former Bulldog baseball player, early 90s, is from Waxahachie. It's amazing how things you remember, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, that's, hap- what's, that's been 30 years, man. It's been 30 years. Wow. And, and you say the, you say the, the, the city, Waxahachie, Texas, and the first thing I think of is Ricky Joe Red. So, how crazy is that? Uh, so, Damani Richardson, number 26, watch out for him. Like I said, four-year starter and uh, a guy who's made big plays. In fact, he's the guy that had the big play a week ago, takes one back 80-something yards for a touchdown and changes that ball game. The next guy for me is the punter, 95, Nick. Constantino? Constantino. If you get his pronunciation, he's, he kind of mumbles through the end of it. So he's a little casual with it. But A&M on their website has their players giving their pronunciations. And after they do, I still don't know how to, how and they, to pronounce And they're that. mumbling them. The point of pronunciations is to get somebody to enunciate. We don't ask me to enunciate. I'm just out asking them to allow their players to enunciate. I'm sorry. Carry on. Well, Nick Constantin, no, no. Contino. Yeah, that's, that's how it looks. In any event, he has 19 punts this year. Eight of them have been touched down inside the 20. Not one has made it into the end zone. It's from Melbourne, Australia, by the way. But he is a guy now, he's had some practice. As we said, he's had to punt it 19 times, averaging right out at 44 yards a punt, long of 57. Here's the other thing. His shortest... Like, if you start looking at his long punts, the shortest of those is 47. I mean, this is a guy who goes out, six fair catches, eight dead inside the 20, three over 50 yards. Go back to an ugly game, Bart. 
go back and you start thinking about what an ugly game looks like, you think of the old Jackie Sherrill days. It would be a different style of football, but the punt and play defense, if you've got a punter and you can drop it inside the 20 and all of a sudden Mississippi State has to go 85, 88, 89 yards, that changes the game. It really does. One of those old 17, 13 games, you know, one of those 15 to 12 games. We'll come out of there and even the winner's not happy. But, look, I'll be happy. Win it 3-2 to two tomorrow, and I'll be happy. But that's a look at my two guys, Damani Richardson and Nick Kunstman. Um, so, those are my two guys. That's our three numbers, our two players. Now it's time for one more thing. So, kind of you're just – parting ideas here today bart well my first thing is this and i'm not taking shots i don't mean this in any negative way i really don't that's going to be the name of my autobiography is i don't mean this in any negative way we always talk about a&m getting less with more i mean they have the most money of anybody the biggest endowment of anybody in the sec and it's almost like you get the least from it they have over five hundred thousand alumni active alumni and here's the thing that stands out to me, talking about less than more. If you got 500,000 alumni and all you can kind of rest your laurels on, on with your notable alumni is Lyle Lovett, Chuck Knobloch, Jason Castro, the guys from Dude Perfect, Gary Kubiak, Rick Perry, and Johnny Manziel, you've got a lot of alumni that had not done a whole lot to be notable. All right. Well, I'm going to defend the honor of the Texas Aggies for a moment, if I might, Bart. Now, I'm going to say there's pro- there's a lot of guys that made a bunch of money in the oil business. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just saying this. When you start looking at other schools, when you start talking about notable alumni, Lyle Lovett, if that's the best you got, man, that dude only had like one good song, right? And I'm trying to figure out what that was, but he was married to Julie Roberts. Well, that's got to count for something but not long though here is the nice thing i'm going to say about the texas a&m university and that is this seven former members former students at texas a&m have received our nation's highest military award the medal of honor and so i was actually doing some reading on these and they're some very heroic stories all of them in world war ii but seven former texas a&m students winners of the Medal of Honor. Well, way to make me feel bad by calling out their alumni. apologize for that. Well, I just happen to appreciate our veterans, Bart. I very much appreciate our veterans. Okay, just give you a chance to back away from that. But um, you had pilots, you had soldiers, you had guys in Italy, guys in Japan, guys all over the world that uh, in Germany, one in Romania, seven different guys in World War II, though, won the Medal of Honor. I think that's a that's something that's uh, reasonably noteworthy. Isn't the H.W. Bush library on the campus of Texas A&M? It is. You know, he didn't go there. Went to Yale. Yeah, but uh, fell in love with Texas A&M, and that's where his library is. So, I guess we are two universities playing tomorrow that have presidential libraries. That is correct. Have you ever spent any time at the Grant Library? I have not. I have not I either. To. Yeah, I do too. I need to do that. And I'm, I understand that it is getting a new building, right? It's being moved out of the library. Is it? Let me tell you this. I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm not privy to a lot of information that goes on 
And that's probably a good thing. I may have just disclosed something. You disclosed something to me. Thank you. I and I could be wrong. I don't, I'm, I'm going to hedge on that a little bit. But in any event, um, two presidential libraries. Um, all right, final thoughts on this football game, Bart, for me. This is an important game. And I hate to be dramatic because you could lose this game and all of a sudden you start rallying off some wins and you feel good. I think the next three weeks are really important for us. And I think it's as important a stretch as we've had in quite a while. I agree with that. I just I think from just the overall standpoint of you got to win one of the next two at home and go ahead and take it. Now, I'm not saying if you win this week, you just say, <laughs> don't worry about next week. But these are the games right here. When you play A&M and Arkansas and, and teams like that, when you play them at home, you have the whole serve. Or you got to start going out and start winning some games on the road that, that you're not going to be favored in. You're favored in this game. It's a three-and-a-half, four-point favorite right now. Uh, when you start looking across the country, there's a lot of people who are betting on this game. I think like 88% of the money right now is on us. So, Hey, let me ask you this, though. Doesn't that say something? I know that we like to be critical of – you know, it's easy to be critical of Mississippi State if you're a state fan. I think that happens at a lot of schools. But consider this for a minute. We're going to play a football game tomorrow. Our coach is Mike Leach. Theirs is Jimbo Fisher, one of five people active in the game today to win a national championship. He's getting paid twice what our coach is getting paid. They have all the money in the world, and they are coming on the road to play us tomorrow, and we are favored. Yeah. What does that say? That says that as we talked about a little bit ago, that the top echelon, you've only got four or five teams, but – Right now, in today's world, one year deep in the NIL world, one year deep, now this could all change, that six through 30, it's a thin line. And isn't that, yeah, I I laugh because I will get messages periodically where Texas loses or Ohio State doesn't play well or Florida gets beaten. See, well, see, NIL doesn't matter. Right now. There's a cumulative effect here. Right now. It's going to matter. Remember, we used to make fun of Nick Saban. Well, we did when he got beat by Louisiana Monroe, 2000. We talked about how crazy they were to pay a coach that much I can't believe they paid a coach $4 million and he lost Louisiana Monroe. And now look at him. I mean, it, it happens all the time about early on. When people that know can see two and three years down the road where this is headed and these are teams that are going to be good, and I think that's to go back to the point, man, I, I think that's one of the reasons that, that losing to LSU hurt is because that was a great opportunity because the next couple of years they could recruit well. Yeah. Well, so could we. Well, let's go get a win tomorrow. That's our look. And we'll be back on Sunday morning. Hopefully, Bart Gregory will be in a good mood. I expect he will. I expect he will. See you Sunday.